receive life soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. We are at uh, 14th chapter of Matthew. And of course, so much that Matthew wrote it and participated in the coming of Christ. And so, on the 14th chapter, Matthew describes the place of John the Baptist in the life of Jesus. But apart from Jesus Christ, John the Baptist is probably the most, uh, I'd say, important figure in the Gospels. His importance is greater than any other of the apostles. And of course, in the case of Jesus, his birth is recorded in Luke 1, 5 to 25, specifically. So you have two people just coming into the earth, one the Savior, the other one the announcer of the coming of Christ. And of course, uh, uh, notice that it was announced by an angel in, in, uh, in, Luke, in Luke chapter 1. Amen. Luke chapter 1. Uh, Mary visits Elizabeth. And Mary arose in those days and went in all the hills of the country with haste into the city of Judah. And entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. And the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So you're talking about... Uh, uh, someone announced by angels, Jesus, and also uh, uh, John the Baptist announced by angels. Remember that uh, that Zechariah went into to change the oil lamps in the sanctuary. An angel appeared to him, and uh, do not be afraid, for your wife will bear a son, and his name is John. And of course, you know uh, uh, Zacharias was mute until the birth of John the Baptist. So, John the Baptist is a very important figure uh, in the Bible. We, we don't talk much about him, but he is, without a doubt, the most important person aside of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, he lives in obscurity most of the years after 12 leaving his mother's house he disappeared in the desert. And uh, in Luke uh, uh, 180, it's an interesting verse to read. It says this, And the child grew and walked strong in spirit in the ways of the Lord, and was in the desert till the day of his showing into Israel. So he remained there until he was 30 years of age. Now, I don't know about you, but to live in the desert, it's quite an experience. You know, you, or you adapt, or you succumb to it. And so, in a way, uh, John the Baptist adapt, because from 12 to 30, uh, you're talking about, <laughs> how, many, how many years is that? 18 years. Living in the desert. And so... Uh, and fulfilled... His ministry and the prophet Isaiah 
refers to, to John the Baptist, the voice crying in the wilderness. Just a little more before we get into the Scriptures. Well, let's go to Isaiah 40, because Isaiah 40 is very, very much uh, uh, a Scripture that we have, to, we have to cover. Amen? So let's go to Isaiah 40. And you, you get a little bit of the... Uh, look at uh, verse 1. Comfort, all you people, says your God. Speak you comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her <clears throat> for her warfare accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received the Lord's hand double. <clears throat> of course, I've explained to you the double already yesterday, and I hope that that makes sense to you. And of course, on verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 40, it says this, The voice of him who cries in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The voice, this voice that he's referring to is the, the voice of John the Baptist. And of course, you know, that will be totally fulfilled in the coming of Elijah or Jesus, Malachi chapter 4. And his ministries immediately precedes Christ's ministries. Operation and glory. Morally, John the Baptist was Elijah to his generation. Introduced the redemption, glory of the Messiah. Inhabited at Calvary and performed his first advent. So, the wilderness in the desert represents the world. And in the midst of this world, God put a prophet. Now, if you remember that the end of, 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 of Malachi, the end of, when you get into the scriptures, before the book of Matthew, you have uh, you have uh, a time between the New Testament and the Old Testament, and of course Malachi is the last prophet, minor prophet, and there's a period of four hundred years. Now this this period of four hundred years is broken by John the Baptist, and so you have a prophet of the New Testament, silence for four hundred years, and then John the Baptist. And of course, it's called the silent ears. There's not much activity here. The Old Testament period closed. Judea was in a Persian province. And at that time, the kings of the Jewish history ending with Solomon in 931 before, after Christ. The twelve tribes of Israel divided in two kingdoms. Remember that? The north and the south kingdom, Judah. And due to sin and weakness and idolatry, both kingdoms fell. The northern kingdom, Israel, was captured by Assyria, which the final, with, with, uh, with the final fall of Samaria being in 722, the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, was better and stronger one. It continued until the final fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians in 582. So there's a, a, a period of, of degradation after the prophets especially Malachi and nothing happens but bad news suddenly announcing the coming of the Savior is John the Baptist so historically he's very important and we have to understand his ministry and be able to sort of understand how it came in I don't have time to deal with the historical factors but um so he started in Isaiah 40, verse 3. Now let me just quote another scripture 
that emphasizes the same thing, which is in uh, Matthew 3.3. Now, Matthew 3.3 is really a fresh word of the of the of 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 Matthew, the Apostle Matthew, it says, "For this is he, John the Baptist, who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight isaiah forty three and uh and of course it describes his the way he behaved in the way he the same John who had Raymond of camel's hair. And led the girl, uh, girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. And went out, in, and he, and they went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea, and all the regions around about the Jordan, the Jordan River, and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. So there's, there's one that prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. Which which was accomplished. Uh, so so I call your attention that he is a transitional figure. He comes in in the silent years of the Old Testament after Malachi into the coming of Jesus uh, <clears throat> by John the Baptist, and so he spends. The ages with one foot firmly planted in the Old Testament and the other squarely in the New Testament. He brought the two together. It's very important to see what he did and how he did it. There's a lot of discussion about the ministry of John the Baptist in the, in the Jordan River. And very much so one of the most, uh, uh, fought scriptures in the Bible because of what he did. How he performed what he did. So let's take a look at that for just a moment. Uh, he was called the baptizer or the Baptist. The practice of putting people in, baptize them in the water. Uh, John was an end time prophet. He conducted his ministry with uh, authority that demanded immediate action. There was no delay on the ministry of John the Baptist. He taught that judgment is at hand. The axe is laid at the roots, and God will thoroughly purge his threshing floor. So the authenticity of repentance in the life of John the Baptist was evident in very practical terms, and of course, share with those in need, eliminate the graph, and prohibit extortion. He just came right to it. And uh, if you go to Matthew 3, 5, this scripture, and, and, and then went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea and all regions around about the Jordan. And so they came to him. There was a convicting power that draw, drew people out of the cities into. Now, if you haven't been to Jerusalem, there's 17 miles from Jerusalem descending into the city of Jericho. So I, you could say that uh, from Jerusalem. To uh, the, the Jordan River would be like maybe 20 miles or, or 19 miles. It's 17 walking miles, so 18 miles, uh, I would say, uh, descending into the Jordan River. Remember, the Jordan River comes from the Lake of Galilee to the top of the Dead Sea. And so, right there in, in, in a place that today is considered 
uh, uh, Jordan, the, the country of Jordan. It is the place of baptism of our Lord. Uh, you have to have a visa from the Jordan River, the Jordan government to get there, but, it, but it's possible. In one of these days, we need to go over there. Now, <clears throat> when you look at the words clothed in camel's hair and eating locusts in wild honey, it's unlike Jesus. Because Jesus had food and, and women around him providing and, and the disciples buying food. And, and <clears throat> but for 18 years, this man was charged to stay in the desert. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but most of us who are in full-time ministry uh, pass by desert days, desert times. I remember my desert days. There were 10 years where I ate locusts locust and wild honey type of thing. And so, uh, uh, that precedes the work of the Lord in the life of a believer, a time of, uh, of learning, a time of dying, a time of... Uh, surrendering to the Lord, a time of giving himself to you. I'm very suspicious of people who never had that type of life. In listening to Dr. Jody Ray at Mount Bethel Church in Marietta, Georgia this weekend, he mentioned that he was a time in his life where he spent difficult days. Nothing would work. Nothing really could help him. It was a time of testing, a time of trial. And that's very evident in the life of anyone called of God. I'm saying this because when the Lord begins preparing people to, to represent Him in a community, a church, a city of any kind, uh, uh, it's, it's very much uh, necessary that uh, you know that not, not going to be wine and roses all the time. There's a time of, of, of in, in, intense testing, intense in most of it, in the early days of your ministry, not in the end of days. Uh, <clears throat> Unlike Jesus, he expected people to come to him rather than he going to them, which is really kind of interesting. You know, in the time of Jesus, he went into the cities. He went into the synagogues north of the Lake of Galilee. Twenty-four synagogues are marked there. But in the, in, in he, he went into the people and he, he drove Adam, the disciples. But John the Baptist uh, is the one who didn't have to go anywhere. He simply stayed on the other side of the Jordan River eating his locusts and wild honey. Wild honey is dates. Dates is where the honey, and, and there are plenty there in the time of Jesus, plenty there today. And of course, uh, uh, people came to him. Another thing about John the Baptist was he was, he was not a crowd pleaser. He willingly conf- confronted the hypocrisy of religious of the religious establishment. In Matthew three seven, look at this verse when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I thought Pharisees and Sadducees only came after Jesus, <clears throat> but it started with John the Baptist. Come to his baptism. He said unto them, What generation of vipers? <laughs> That's a nice way to say hello. Who was warned you by you to who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? <clears throat> so he wasn't a crowd pleaser. He did not hesitate 
to expose the immorality of Herod and choose and chose to die a martyr's death rather than compromise his convictions. Let's take a look at uh, well, you know about it. we don't have to stay much time on that. But let me get to uh How did people see him? How did they understand him? When Jesus came and says Caesarea Philippi, he asked Peter, who to say that I am? Some say, some are Elijah, some say it's Jeremiah, some one of the prophets. And then Jesus personalized, but who do you say that I am? Remember that. Now, <clears throat> in, in the life of John the Baptist, uh, it, it, it looks like, uh, in, in Luke one seventeen. let's take a look at that just a moment. Luke one seventeen. In the beginning of the chapter, Amen. Luke one seventeen, uh, which is a very large chapter, by the way. And he shall go before him, Christ, in the spirit and power of Elijah. He he, he speaks about Malachi four five. If you go to Malachi four five, which is uh, the other the other side, it's easy to find if you find Matthew. You're going to find Malachi just next door to it here. Malachi uh, four five. Let me take my time to Malachi four. There it is. Malachi four five. Uh, okay, it says this. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. It doesn't, it doesn't refer to the coming of John the Baptist, who only came in the spirit of Elijah. <clears throat> it's referring about Elijah the prophet, who was translated in about 500 years before the time of Malachi, who will be sent back to the earth by the Lord in the midst coming of the great tribulation. And of course, this Elijah we're talking about is a person, just like uh, Moses, as they appeared to the disciples at the Mount of Transfiguration. So, John the Baptist knew who he was. He, he knew, and he says very clear that he is not, no way he is, he is uh, uh, Elijah. He is the voice in the wilderness who came. So, that, that's a, a lot of discussions about that. John, and then flatly denied that he was Elijah, reincarnated. Go to John one twenty one, and and that settles the argument. And there's a lot of people who who simply says that that was Elijah. Uh, let's go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter one, which is easy to find. Amen. Chapter one. I'm going to a lot of scripture here. Chapter 1, uh, verse, uh, verse 21. Okay? And he says this, And when they asked him, What then are you, Elijah? What then are you, Elijah? See, Malachi, this as I wrote it, predicted the coming again from heaven of Elijah the prophet. But John the he said, I'm not. John, John says, I'm not. And said they unto him, Who are you, that we may give you an answer to them who send us? What do you say of yourself? And John the Baptist clearly says, he said, I'm, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. 
make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. So he quotes Isaiah and defines himself. So that clears the argument that John was reincarnated Elijah. So, so John fulfilled Malachi's prophecy in a spiritual sense rather than a literal sense, but fulfilled the prophecy. So, are we getting something on this here? We begin to get to know the ministry of John the Baptist. Uh, let's get to... Uh, let me see if I can uh, give some direction here to this. A minute. Jesus acknowledged the central role that John played in God's plan of salvation. Now that's more... In other words, you can argue all that you want, but now let's take a look at what Jesus says about John the Baptist. Because if that's not convincing, I don't know what it is. And uh, it, it says one thing. He said, He is the greatest born among women because he had the privilege of pointing the Lamb of God. You know, Simeon in the temple picked up the child and said, I can die now because I've seen God's salvation. He recognized in a baby the call of God, the Son of God. And of course, Anna had the same privilege. But but this is a grown-up man. He'd been 18 years in the desert eating, 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 flying things. And so in John chapter 1, verse 29, this is dealt with. So let's go, John chapter 1. Uh, uh, verse 29. Let's see where it is. Uh, here, here we go. The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him. Now, I stopped there because you see the recognition of Jesus and the revelation of Jesus to anyone today in our personal uh, uh, 2000. 23, uh, day of our Lord. It's only by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And you're talking about out of the hundreds and thousands of people coming to be baptized in the Jordan, he sees way afar one coming in and he knew it in his spirit that that was the Son of God. And, and, and he said, look, look what he said. We love to read this verse. He says this, he said this, Behold, which, which simply means, listen, look, observe what I'm going to tell you. It says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who taketh, who takes away the sins of the world. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes the sins of the world, announcing to all of those who were there, about to be baptized. And by the way, John had a lot of disciples. Now, people don't talk about that. But, uh, but Apollos was one of them. And of course, when Jesus came in Ephesus, I mean, when Paul came in Ephesus, the first trip to Ephesus, remember that? He came from the northern part and descended from the top of Ephesus where the offices of uh, administration of the city were. Uh, Twelve men met him who knew of baptism of, of, of water by disciples of John, but never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. In that particular moment, Paul touched them, and they began to speak in tongues. So there goes your spiritual order down the drain. Uh, God does whatever He wants, anytime He wants, and in the way He wants. So, so G, John the Baptist recognized, recognize, sees, take away the sins of the world. 
And uh, this is very important. Uh, uh, which takes away the sins of the world. Animal blood could only cover sin. It could not take it away. But Jesus offering himself as the person's sacrifice took away the sin of the world. He not only cleansed acts of sin, as well addressed the root cause. So this is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me. He was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I come baptizing with water, and John bare record of this, saying, I saw the Spirit of God descending from heaven like a dove and abode with Him. So, He did not only baptize Jesus, but rather desired to be baptized by Jesus. John allowed His disciples to leave His own leadership and follow after Jesus in John 1.35. So, that, that sort of uh, presents the ministry of Jesus of the ministry of John the Baptist. So let me go to Acts of the Apostles in, in chapter 14. And I want to read verse 1 to 12 for you now to receive this word because I've gave you information about John the Baptist. At the time, Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch here is the son of Herod. The one who uh, uh, killed all the babies uh, in Bethlehem, remember? Heard of the fame of Jesus, the fame of Jesus. And he said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do, do shew forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold of John, and bound him, and put him into prison. And of course, the, the, the Machairos is the castle which is in Jordan, by the way. You can't get there where John the Baptist was in prison. Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It's not lawful that you have to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them, and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she asked. And she being before instructed of her mother, what a evil woman that this woman, give me here the John the Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for old, for old sake, and them which sat before with him at meat, he commanded them to be, to be given to her. And he sent and beheaded John in prison, and his head was brought into a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it up to her mother, and his disciples took up the body, buried it, and went on to tell, to tell Jesus. That's verse uh, chapter 14, verse 12. The death of John the Baptist at this castle is one of the most one of the most horrible events in the Bible. You see, Jesus was crucified and took away our sins, 
at the cross of Calvary. John the Baptist was beheaded by soldiers in a dark uh, uh, mountain retreat in Jordan simply because he exposed sin in the life of Herodias. And of course, one dies to take away sin. The other one announces the one who does it and, and pays for his own life. He is one of the martyrs that you're going to see in heaven sitting at the hand, the right side of Jesus. I don't believe it will be John the Baptist. I don't believe it will be the apostle John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the disciples. I believe that it would be John the Baptist. Why? Because he, for 18 years, prepared himself in the essence of Korem, in that area where Isaiah's papyrus were, oh, were found inside of uh, clay jars uh, by a young man, a uh, shepherd, looking for the sheep. So, I believe that John the Baptist is going to be... Jesus said, there's, there's no greater prophet than this. John the Baptist, Jesus calls him the greatest prophet that ever lived. Let's have a prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. God, I thank you that, uh, that John the Baptist gave me an example on how to live a life, not to be pleaser to those uh, that persecute the kingdom, but put his life on the test and his neck on the line. I thank you, Lord, for this man of God. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to bless us abundantly, to measure our level of commitment to the kingdom of God, to measure what we actually do, in order to have Jesus Christ glorified in the presence of all of those who confess Him as Lord and Savior. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that the dove came after Jesus left the water. And God Almighty spoke from heaven, This is my Son, on whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit marked the beginning of the ministry of Jesus in the, in the, in the lake and in, in, the, in the Jordan River. I praise you, Lord, for that. And I thank you for his testimony to my life. In Jesus' name, amen.